I want to hit on something that somebody asked me this week. And at the same time, it really, it really lines up what's going on in this chapter and happened in last chapter. So somebody asked me, they said, man, you always, you always harping on the Baptist and picking on the Baptist and all that stuff. If that's the case, why are we Baptists? <laughs> I think that's a good question you ought to ask yourself. <laughs> uh, but in that, here's what I want you to understand. I harp on it and, and, and I get on it. Because I know what it originally was, which I'm about to share with you in just a minute, and I know what we're gradually turning it into. Okay? And that goes for any man-made doctrine, religion, or anything else out there, practice theology and all that kind of stuff. So I'm a hold to it because of what these people in 1609 held to. Right? But that doesn't mean I think it's the greatest, the best by any means. That's why we kind of just mix a bunch of them together and pile it in and go by the word. Uh, but but here's what happened in 1609. For those of you who don't know, uh, maybe some of you scholars know and y'all are Baptist theologists and you you got all this and you know it and that's great. But for the rest of us, I think probably we don't know so much of it. So I want to share with you guys, because if you're going to go to a Baptist church, you probably should know why that name is on the on the title. Um, and again, we've got lots of problems we need to fix. But in 1609 in England, there was religious persecution that was breaking out like crazy. It was the height of Catholicism. The, the breakdown of, of scripture only being allowed to be read by an elite group of people. And they were then to tell the other people under them what they can believe and what they get out of scripture and everything else. So this group of refugees, they, they actually meet in a bakery, which is why us Baptists like to eat. Um, at least that's what I think. It's a true story. They really did meet in a bakery. They, they met in a bakery in Amsterdam. They, they got together and they started studying scripture. Now, so you could really say in a bakery in Amsterdam was the very first Baptist congregation meeting. Um, in this meeting, though, they here's what they decided. Now, think about the time frame you're in. So you got the the, the background to, to the Baptist church starting right now, but you've got religious reformation taking place all across Europe. You've got 16th, 17th, 16th going into the 17th century. You've got the the uh, the printing press being invented during this time. Uh, and I only point this out because here is one of the significant things the original group of refugees wanted to do. They wanted to get a Bible into the hand of every believer so that every believer, not the elite top, but just like we just read, all the people, the young, the old, the poor, the high class, all of them could hear the word of God, could study the word of God, and not just take a man's opinion on it, but study it for themselves so that they can then interpret what scripture is saying. So, so do you understand what actually started the, the, the group, you know, we get so much into all this and we read their bylaws and all that man-made mumbo-jumbo crap. What really started, it was a group of people that was mad that they couldn't get their own copy of the Bible in a country like England. You're not talking about like the, the end of the world kind of country, guys. We're talking about like a, a large, prominent, successful country, you know, one that we broke away from. So I hope you understand that as we're in July, you know, and, and it, this is probably what spurs what became America. You know, so, so just some things you got, and here's some things they did at the beginning. And, and I guess here's why I tied in with chapter 23. So not only did you ask on the right week, uh, God lined it up perfectly, which shouldn't surprise us any. Here we have a rediscovery of the word. That's what we have. The word's been passed along by prophets. We haven't taken away from that. You know, but, but kings have no longer had their copy of it like they were supposed to. There hasn't been the public reading of it like it's supposed to. At the feasts and the festivals, they haven't had that time where they, they sit and read word for word every part of it. 
They haven't had that once every so many years where, where they would literally read from beginning to end. Now, this is our Bible. Could you imagine if we read it beginning to end all at once without skipping a single word? In case you're thinking, well, what was theirs? Theirs was... Oh, let me take out the intros. Right there. You see the difference? And you guys think it's pain staggering whenever we got to read a whole chapter. You guys at the house, you're skipping over genealogies and you're skipping over this and you're skipping over that because it's boring and mundane and not exciting. Am I right? They're literally commanded to read every word despite what anybody else is doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we need to understand this, this, this rediscovery of the Bible that happened is great. Now here's what they did in 1609 and on. They made sure it started getting translated in every language. You realize the thing you hold in your hand that you take for granted or sits on a chair beside you that you take for granted, it is translated into more than 2,000 languages and it is illegal to the point of death in more than half the world still as far as locations of people. You understand that? So you just still get a rush on wanting to do something illegal? Just get you a Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like what better could you do? Right? And you're still doing something that would be punishable by death in multiple places in the world. I mean, this thing is vital. So, so they started working on getting to translate every language. They uh, started wider availability. They got that print press going. So they got this thing going. They had a, a commitment to expository preaching. You're like, oh, that's a big word. What does that mean? That's just what we do every week. It's literally preaching verse by verse. It ain't nothing fancy. Right? It's just got a cool sound of word at the beginning of it. They, 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 they were explaining what the text actually means and how you apply it to your life. Is there ever a Sunday we come in? If there is, you better let me know and fire me right away. Is there ever a Sunday that we dive into God's word and don't try to apply it to something in our weekly life? No. Right? They, they take the Bible out of the, hand, the hands of the corrupt elite people and they put it into the hands of every ordinary, ordinary person that professes to believe or maybe even has a chance to believe so they can check it out. Now do you know why I'm okay with us saying, hey, we're still Baptists despite all the screw-ups that they may be doing right now? Right? And no, I didn't get in trouble last week, but I may be in trouble this week for saying it that way. But hey, I've never cared, so why should I start now, right? <laughs> Think about this, though. We need to understand this. You need to know and be able to say, man, this is why. Not, not the stuff that goes on now. This is why I'm okay with that being my theology and my practice. This is why. And yes, the name stays out there. Why? So when people look at it, they do know your basic beliefs, right? We, we, we want to be like-minded. You're not going to gather and meet with people that you're completely different agreement with every week. Now, we're growing each other, but I'm talking about the main things, right? So so understand this thing. So rediscovering the Bible literally changed the world. It's what got men to start moving toward getting to America. It's what changed Europe and England and everything else. It even changed the, the landscape. You know, two places in this world I've been that I will never forget the views as far as picture in my head. One was Alaska, which I, which I told the ladies as they went to Alaska, I said, you're going to see the prettiest place you've ever seen in your life. Uh, plus, you're going to see people walk around a Walmart with shotguns strapped to their chest because that's how they roll in Alaska. So it's cool. Uh, you know, they actually have bears, though. They're not not for criminals, right? So <laughs> you, you got all that going on. The second place was over in Europe when, when Chris and I first got engaged and we went around and we were checking out all this stuff in, in churches. Have you been downtown for those of you who haven't been to Europe? Churches, beautiful, beautiful churches everywhere. Where do you think started that? Across pond. What started across pond? People wanting to start churches. So, so there's been a, a, a significant thing take place 
because of people, you know, rediscovering the Bible. So I think rediscovering the Bible in your life is great. I think you should do it. I think if you hadn't done it, you need to do it now. So if you see the title, I've called it Radical Commitment. Because when you get like Josiah and you get to a real rediscovering of the scripture and what it means and what it translates into and what it should do in your life, you become radically committed. You know what I'm saying? You're not like everybody else no more. Like we talked about in the beginning with, with stuff outside shouldn't surprise us. Stuff in here should blow their socks off. They should use the word repeatedly. That is a radical group of people. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that we they, that they have a, a, a name for the Muslims called radical Muslims. Why do we call them that? Because they go to the what? Extreme. I want to be a radical Christian. How about that? You know what I'm saying? Like I want to go to the extreme levels of what scripture tells us to do and how scripture tells us to perform things. Right? And if we would start doing that, maybe we could then change here to here to out there. Which is, by the way, is an order we're going to see that Josiah follows, right? So as I go back in this rediscovering the scripture, keep in mind year 622 BC, just so you know, Jagers, uh, the king's 26 years old. So this is still a young guy. Young guy. Started at eight, now he's 26. Chapter 22 last week, verse two, we get the summary of his life, which is important just for review. He did what was right in Yahweh's sight. He walked in all the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn to the right or to the left. What did we say it meant? It meant this guy had spiritual consistency. It meant this guy walked the narrow way as much as he could. Did it mean he was perfect? No. It just meant he was aiming in the right direction as much as he possibly could with everything he did. Unfortunately, we also read a few weeks earlier that he had to follow Manasseh, who ruled for 55 years in the worst possible way, which is why we just had Brian have to read so many verses about so many foreign gods and foreign temples and places because he started turning the people away from God. And he started turning God's house into a place of worship for other gods. He built shrines and he built temples and he built altars altars, and he built idols all throughout the city and the place in the land. So Josiah becomes king. The first thing he said that, that, that he did last week, he restored the temple, of course, which, which, which was something he had followed from Hezekiah, his great granddaddy. But then in chapter 22, it says this in the restoration of the temple. Remember, he looked at the church and he said, man, if my house can look this good, shouldn't God's house get a little improvement as well? Right. And he, and he started doing it. He started getting things right in there. And in there from chapter 22, it said that this guy found the word. He found the law. He found the Torah. He found what, you know, whatever you need to call it. Make sure you understand that little section that I, I just held up. Right. He found God's written word. Now, they'd had prophets. They'd had spokesmen. They had all that stuff that had been passed on. But this is one of the first times in hundreds of years that they've got the written word that they can now follow word for word to a T. So here's what it said last week. Shephan read from the book in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Later he said, great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with what is written concerning us. I'm going to be honest, y'all. There's some stuff back here. That's not as exciting as what all's in the rest of it. Am I right? Now there's some that's exciting, and I, especially when you dive into it. Now I'm not I'm not eluding that none of this is not exciting, right? But I'm just being honest. There's some sections in here. If we're honest, they're kind of the ones we'd like to skip over, and we'd like to not read, and we'd like to not review, and we'd not to like check out, and we well don't get excited about. But do you realize it was this section that made a king? 
tear his robes, break down crying, and begin a radical commitment back to the word because he understood how far the country had gotten away and how far he had gotten away and how far other people had gotten away. Guys, we've got, we've got a lot more than him. Yet I don't see us getting excited and tearing our clothes and running crazy and changing our lives and changing the church's life and then changing the world's life and the county's life and state life and everything else, right? Look, look, look at what else goes on. As he reads this thing, he tears his clothes and he decides, I'm not only going to rededicate myself, I'm going to rededicate my people. So when we get to 23, it's like this, this writer of Kings, he's like, okay, I'm big on what he's been doing with the high places. This king did something with the high places. I'm going to take a whole chapter to write about what happened when he got recommitted. Right? So chapter 23, he, he gets that. So if you want to rededicate yourself, get recommitted or, or whatever you want to occur, maybe take some advice from this chapter and check it out. And the, ver- the very first three verses, I had divided into the word all. Because the word all is there for three significant things that I think is awesome if we're going to get radically committed and rededicated to living for Christ. Right? The first one is what? All the people. You're like, well, well, that's not necessarily all that important, is it? Is it not? Did I not just tell you that the Baptist Reformation started because we wanted to get the Bible into the hands of all the people? Right? Do you not realize that your money that goes into missionary work is for the purpose of getting the word to all the people? You don't understand there's organizations out there, some good ones, by the way, that you can dedicate your money to and, and, and help them and promote them and pray for them, but work at doing nothing but getting the word translated into every language so that all the people get the word? And we're going to think that all the people's not important? Look at verse 1. And then it's repeated in verse 3 as well, which I love. It said the king sent messengers and they gathered to him all the elders. I love the process and the order Josiah has through this whole thing, by the way. Where does he start? His elders. I remember when Pastor Tim had first left and I was studying scripture and the structure of the church and all. And I was checking things out and, 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 and that word elders kept coming up, right? And it didn't mean old people, by the way, right? But, but, but I kept checking it out and I, and I kept saying, so finally I, I call. Here's where we start to drop the ball, I guess. So I called back. So I said, man, you guys are supposed to be helpful with this stuff. I said, what, what's the process? Who can I talk to? Because I've been in church my whole life and I ain't never been in a church that's got elders done the way it's supposed to be done in scripture and whatnot. Oh, I, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. I don't know. We got some deacons. Well, well, that's good. That, that's another step. Like we, we need those. Don't get me wrong. But scripture also differentiates. I think if they were the exact same, scripture wouldn't differentiate. Am I right? Okay. So, so, so no call back. So I call again. I said, man, I got to figure this out. Like I, I'm, I, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. At least the best that I can. Right. I want, I want to be like a Josiah. I want to, I want to lead and follow God's word and do it the best that I can do it, you know, with what I got. He said, Oh, you know, there is one church. They kind of got some. I said, what is a kind of got a? You know, when they ordain them, do they say, you kind of got to ordain an elder? You know, they just have like this, this really weird, you know, sort of elder. I'm a sort of elder. Yeah. But anyway, it just broke my heart to see how many churches don't just structure things the way God clearly tells us to. I mean, this is easy. This isn't even the hard stuff yet. This is just simple. Like, this is the way I want it structured. This is some some people you should have in some order that you should use. These are people who can pray out loud and teach out loud and preach out loud and, 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 and interpret scripture and help others, right? 
Like th- this is it. Then I got a group of people that can do those things, that love those things, but they're more hands on. You know, they want to get out there and, and, and physically help and serve and minister and, and, and do that kind of stuff to it. And, and they're there. And then I got another group of people to do this. And, and, and it goes on. And Josiah gets his, his leaders together, you could say, right? Fundamental part of it. Not, not this elite privileged class. Because we're, we're going to go in in verse 3. I don't have it on the screen because I forgot to tell Crystal. But at, but at verse 3, you read it. And it says, he rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah. Oh, that's 21. We don't want to go back there. That was a bad chapter. Next, the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant in the Lord's presence, followed by the Lord, to keep his commands and his descendants and his statutes with all his heart, all his soul, to carry this out with all the people that agreed to this covenant as well. I did have it up there, right? So, so all the people are involved. So this is not like an elite privileged class of, of people, right? This is for everybody. And if you're a believer, please understand me. Your responsibility is to seek out God's word for yourself and what it says. You should be studying and checking it out, right? No one has a monopoly. You can say it this way for this section. No one has a monopoly on biblical truth other than God, right? He's the only one who's got a monopoly on, on interpretation of scripture. Every single believer has access to the truth themselves to dig in and find it out. And a radical commitment to the Bible recognizes that every one of us has this, this ability and stake in understanding Scripture and hearing it out. So if you want to get radically committed, the first thing you better do is understand we're all radically involved in the Word of God. Right? We all ought to be checking it out. Maybe you say it this way, because sometimes we get connected to certain parts of the Bible. Do you let the Bible change you, or do you try to change the Bible while we're getting committed to it? Right? You know, and I'm big. I told you last week, like I'm big on, on, on getting more translations of scripture. We're getting more information. We're finding more stuff. We should be getting more. We should be getting new translations. That's that's good to me. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But these translations that come about and just change stuff because it makes people feel better. I got a big problem with that. You know, what I'm saying like we just take out that part or we leave out that part or we we add to this part or we we fudge this part a little bit. That, that's a problem. Right. I want to change it because we got more information to change us, not because we got more feelings to change it. Understand the difference? And I wonder sometimes when I think about just scripture in general and that kind of thing and talking about missionary work and all that, you ever think it's just easier to get support to get the word out there than it is to get the word in here? You ever notice that? Go going out there and try to fundraise and nah, I'm just trying to get I'm trying to get people so they can get the word over to Honduras. Man, I'll give you a couple bucks, I promise you. Almost every time. But but say, hey, I'm trying to get a radical thing started. Why don't you come study scripture with me and let's dive into it and see what it changes in our lives. Oh, you know, I got that appointment that I'd forgot about and I, I got to get. But I give you that twenty dollars for you to go to Honduras. And, and am I right? I mean, it, it's the truth, guys. We're quit. Right. We're real quick to want to give away money to get it away from us. But man, when it comes about, hold on, you want to sit down and have coffee and let the word of God do what? Change my life? Change the way I might have to live? The way I might talk? The way I might dress? You mean I ain't going to be able to hang out with the same people no more? Oh, I don't know about that, man. You know, I just, I got a lot going on. We're going to have to check that out later. Right? That's, that's where we are. It said the king sent them to gather all the elders. Here's what I love that Josiah understood. Because at 26, you got to be wise to lead a nation. Right? I mean, I like a special kind of wisdom. At 26, you wouldn't. Want me leading anything. Y'all were idiots for letting me lead the church at 26. I'm telling you right now. Y'all, y'all drop the ball right now. I'm telling you, right? But, but this guy, this guy, what does he do? He goes, well, I need to get some help. 
I need to get some help. I can't do it alone. Right? Like I need to get people who are gonna, gonna roll with me and, and who are not gonna respond with, with, je- now understand this. Cause I, I leave this out. What we ended chapter 22 with was what? He gets told the nation's gonna be destroyed. You're not gonna be destroyed that way. I'm, I'm gonna give you a little grace, a little peace. I'm gonna get you out of there. But everybody else is destroyed, right? Wouldn't it have been easy to have indifference then about the rest of the nation? Well, if he's gonna destroy it anyway. None of my efforts are gonna work. Y'all got any people in your life like that? Like inside and all around you, you're hearing voices tell you, hey, ain't nothing you can do to change that person. Right? A lot of pulling you and promoting you to give up on that person, to give up on that group, to give up on that thing. Right? Josiah had that even from God's mouth. Yet he said, I'm still going to do everything I can do. Why? Because his commitment to following what God had told him to do in the word didn't change. He just knew the results weren't going to be what he wanted. He, he even is, isn't content to just say, you know what? At least the judgment's not going to be on me. Right? He wanted to get this kingdom right with God to do everything he could, and he knew he couldn't do it by himself. How many dozens of people, great saints, whatever you want to call them, that God has led into persecution and agonizing deaths so that you and I can have what you and I have with the word, with living in freedom? How many of them have given their life that God called? Yet we neglect living the word to the best of our ability. Am I right? We neglect how important it is to actually even use. What maybe you should ask it this way. Write this down and check it out for this week, right? What are you doing to get more of God's word into your life? What are you actively doing to get more of God's word into your life? You don't like reading? Listen to it. You know what I'm saying? Like get you the Audible app on your little smartphone and start listening to it. It's so easy. Dive into it. Find you some friends that you can go have coffee with and study words with, right? Notice what it said. All its words. Look halfway through verse 2. He read that hearing the words of the book of the covenant and, and all of them. Look, look, I love verse 2, man. Right? The, the, the word that's used there. Then the king went to the Lord. So I love the king's doing this himself. As well as the priests and the prophets and all the people from the youngest to the oldest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book. You know what I love is no matter who gets to read each week, they can't say it all right. I mean, they can't, but they don't skip over them. Right? You, you'll at least get a, you'll get something out of there, right? I love it. Why? Because what are we commanded? To read all the words. When you study it, study all the words. You never understand like how significant and how important things can change with that. Right? Read all the words. Now he, and he had a much shorter thing to be reading than us. We just now looked at it, right? What, what if we were to sit down and actually read all the words every time? When we study scripture, when we check things out, right? And he read and they, and then they heard, he read and in their hearing all the words of the book. He's so worried about this thing, man. He knows it's so important. He makes sure they actually hear every single thing that's being read. You know, wouldn't it have been easier? I wrote down, wouldn't it have been, I wrote down better, but I guess I should have said easier because it ain't better. Wouldn't it have been easier if he just like edited some highlighted points? You know, just shoot me the goods. Give me the cliff notes. They say the number one seller still to this day is that book in your hand. Right? I'm proud because I would assume the number one seller would be the cliff notes version of that book if they had one. Did anybody study cliff notes when they were in school? Only half of us, man. The rest of you guys are really smart and good. You guys are awesome. Either that or y'all didn't read at all. One of the two. 
Right? I passed every book report off Cliff Notes. Except for maybe two. I can confess that because I should confess that because that's a sin. Oh, so I'm getting that off my chest now. Many, many years later, right? Couldn't he just got a summary? Couldn't he did some bullet points? Shouldn't he have just had a PowerPoint slide up there? No! Josiah knows that a radical commitment means you've got to be committed to all the words. Why? Because all the words are whose words? His words! We were right. You ever watch something on the show and you're whining because you missed like one little word or two little words? I'm going to be honest. Half the time, I don't care. I really don't. I'm, I ain't got time to rewind it. I'm just getting my 30 minutes of peace time before I go to bed, right? Kind of idea going. Crystal will rewind it 800 times to hear that one word. So while her and Paxton are sitting at the house watching, yes, it drives me bananas when you do it, right? What'd they say? Oh, I just make up a word sometimes. Like last night we was watching, he said, what, what, we're watching Hamilton. I don't know if you guys have seen Hamilton now that she's studying law and all that. She, she said, what did he say? It's kind of like a rap. So I'm like, baby, I'll be honest, you're asking the wrong white boy. You know what? If you ain't seen it, watch it. It's good. It's great. It's wonderful. Right? I said, you're asking the wrong white boy. You know what they just said? So she rewinded. And she rewinded again. She'd check it out again. And, and I'm like, oh, I hope she figures out what word he said so we can quit watching this one scene. Right? But it's good. It's good. That's somebody on TV. And we'll rewind it and check it out. We don't understand a word and something we're reading. Sometimes we'll Google it. What does this word mean? Somebody around us say something that we don't understand. And we don't want to sound dumb. So later we'll Google it. What did that word mean? Right? What what was they actually trying to tell us? Right? This is the word of God. Do you not think every word is important? Watch how many sometimes when somebody special, a president or, 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 you know, even at the Olympics and all the stuff that goes on, sometimes there's speeches where we, we zone in and want to hear what's going on. Our sports season's getting ready to start, so y'all want to hear everything your coach has to say about your team, right? I don't know if y'all saw, the Cowboys are going to be great this year. They're going to be wonderful. Have you ever watched a preseason where we're not going to be wonderful? Right? Every year, we are the best team on paper you can get, baby. And for the last 20 years, for the last 20 years, they must have forgotten to bring every one of those papers to the game (laughs) because something goes wrong the second half, (laughs) right? And that's that kind of worldly stuff. This is God. This is Yahweh. This is Jehovah. This is the one we're watching a video about on Wednesday that created everything. And in creation, made little visual points to draw you back to him still. And you don't think making sure that we check out every word he has to say is important? Not to spoil the ending, but I think Josiah actually got in a little bit of trouble at the end of life because he he forgot to heed to every word. He skipped one little step in Chronicles. We'll get to it at the end, right? But, 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 but think about this thing, man. How important is every word? Really, if I can just be honest, our Bible reading is deficient if we if we're just content with rehearsing a few well-known verses. You ever met people like that, by the way? Christians? Oh, I know the word. And they quote the same verse every time they say they know the word. You know a word, you don't know the word. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what I want to tell us something. Like you, you just know a section. Like, how about let's check the whole thing out? Right? Oh, my favorite verse. Is it always your favorite verse? Because my favorite, and maybe I'm wrong. My favorite verse would be changing all the time. It matters how God got to slap me in the back of the head or, or how he got to grab me by the heart and make me feel a little bit better that week, right? Like, it'd be changing all the time. There's some I like all the time. But I can't honestly tell you my favorite verse is always the same. 
Like it just don't work that way when you're in a real relationship with the Lord, I don't think, right? So, so it, we got people who never strive to explore more of the book. Here's what John Piper says about it. I thought this was a good quote. John Piper says, if you want a pile of leaves, then just go get a rake and rake and scrape the surface. But if you want to find gold, you got to dig deep down in. So ask yourself that when you open the word. You want a pile of leaves, just scrape the surface, he said. Right? The boys had to go, well, one boy ended up working. Other one got sick, but had to work at Charlene's. They brought some rakes. You know, I don't know how much raking he actually did because sometimes he'd be a corner cutter. Uh, but he brought that rake with him and he brought that lawnmower with him. And, but he scraped the surface with a rake, right? Just picture all you're getting is what? Just the stuff on top that makes it look pretty when it's all gone, right? John Piper says, if we want to get gold, we got to dig deep. Now, if you want a little superficial, pretty looking relationship with the Lord, well, then just rake the book. And you can look pretty all the way to hell. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let's be honest about it. You want to get deep and get some gold nuggets out of that thing? Well, you got to dig. And dig is work. Am I right? Digging is work, man. It changes things. Stop skipping stuff because it seems dull or difficult. to re- That's the other thing. When it's difficult, we skip it. If it's difficult, that means it's probably important. Right? That's the way I've learned in everything in life, not just scripture, by the way. If something is difficult, that means it's probably important. I need it. Right? Because the easy stuff, it ain't always that important. Right? Sometimes we try to use it's irrelevant. Sometimes we try to say it's it's a doctrine we don't like. Let's just wrestle with everything the Lord says and let him win the wrestling matches. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I think that's why that guy got, got, got commended for wrestling. He just wanted to wrestle. Right? But what? He, he ended up getting that hip touch at the end, so he walked with a limp wrestling. But he never forgot what that he wrestled. Right? Well, how about if we did that with the word? Some of us would walk with a limp, right? But we would never forget that we had wrestled with the word. Verse by verse, over time, well, I don't know how long it's going to take us as a church to get to it, but eventually, in like a hundred years from now, we will have gone through all of scripture, right? And not just John 3, 16, Romans 8, 28, and Psalm 23, all of it, right? Look what it says, the king stood by a pillar and he made a covenant before the Lord to follow Yahweh. King Josiah stood before the people. I love this because it's public. You know, a lot of times when we study history, kings did a lot of their stuff in private. This king is publicly in front of everybody declaring his commitment. And what does it say? It goes even deeper. So here's another all. So you got all people, you got all the words, and then it says this. Once you get all the people together to read all the words, then it's going to change all your heart and all your soul. That's what he says in this covenant. He goes, all my heart, all my soul. I want it all there. And there's, here's why checking out words can sometimes give you a little bit more. So when he says he made a covenant, here's what it literally translates out to too. He cut a covenant. Well, why does it say he cut a covenant? Because if you go to Genesis chapter 15, I think verse 17, Jeremiah chapter 34, I think it's right at 18 around that section, right? He goes back to the practice of literally cutting a carcass of an animal, separating the parts for the contracting parties, and then he seals the agreement by doing what? Walking in between it. Now, that's one thing for me to tell you guys. Think if we did this at a wedding for a covenant, right? It's one thing to say, baby, I'm going to love you forever. I'm committed to you. I do. Like, y'all remember the words. Y'all remember how pretty stuff was. Y'all probably remember the food more than anything else, right? But if I chop up an animal and separate its parts, and then we take turns just walking through the carcass, y'all ain't never going to forget nothing like that. Am I right? True. This is an agreement Josiah is making with the Lord. 
I mean, literally, it's when it says to cut a covenant, I believe he went back to that old school, original way of doing things, and he did it the right way. He's getting radical. Everything he's doing that he can is trying to be word for word on Scripture. It's why in a minute it's going to say they had never celebrated a Passover like this one before. I read that, and I'm like, oh, man, there's a flaw in the Bible because Hezekiah just did the Passover. But that ain't what it says. It says they had never celebrated like this before. Meaning they have the word now. There's no gaps. They're getting it all right. Word for word, right? So when Josiah publicly makes this covenant, I guarantee you ain't a soul in that town forgot about it. I bet when he even went back to their stubborn ways and messing up, even then they probably, you remember when he cut that thing up in front of us and then walked in between, like he was, you he was happy, right? Because it says, oh, he was passionate. When you say all your soul and all your heart and all your mind, like you was a happy, cheerful fellow, right? Like you were passionate about it. Could you imagine, like you think he walked through it like, I bet he was dancing through it. I bet he pulled a David. I bet he got down to his skimmies and just turned cartwheel through the thing or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he went crazy getting on with it. Seriously. I think it was an awesome moment that people would never forget. So much that they didn't forget. Look at what verse 3 says, at least for the people there. And all the people, the end of verse 3, and all the people took a stand for this covenant. They responded because of his example. People around you ain't responding. Maybe it's because you ain't setting the right example, right? Right? They didn't even need a command. Nowhere in there does it say the king commanded them. Nah. It just says they responded. Why? Because they're following his example. Radical people lead to getting more radical people. Right? All you need is one. You ever see like a fire? It don't take long for that thing to spread if a gust of wind comes by, right? And the conditions are right. Man, if you get the conditions right in the church and get one person on fire, man, the Holy Spirit will come on in like he did in that upper room. And if the conditions are right, he'll have everybody on fire. Y'all are all running out of here and you skippies doing cartwheels. Right? Just make sure you don't get no further than your skippies. All right? Whatever that even is. Huh? Check this out as it goes further. God, God works through this guy. So that's what I was trying to make sure we understood with, with, with Shannon and Carla. Like, and you, you acknowledge them people. There's no doubt about it. That's why we have the Bible written about men, right? But what do we acknowledge it? That they were vessels. They were tools that God used. Right? So, so be a vessel, be a tool that God's going to use. All about application. So, so this radical commitment means that we are applying the word to our life, not just reading it, right? And all areas of our life too. All heart, all soul, right? You know, that word all never leaves, right? And he's only got five books. We got a lot more books, so we ought to be doing a lot more stuff, right? How much more should the complete Bible speak into our hearts and lives than it did then? I'm not saying the scripture is ever going to be added to. That's not what I mean. But, if somebody was then to write a book about the things that you and I did for the Lord, how much more would be done than what's written in this one? Right? We're content to just think, oh, well, you know, all the good stuff that's going to happen has happened. Why? Is your guy dead? Like, did, did he stop working? Is he on retirement? Huh? Did, 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 he, did he give up on stuff or, or is he still going strong? Right? We, we get the whole We get the whole picture of what Scripture says. And if we're honest, reading our Bible is not just causing us to, if, if reading our Bible doesn't cause us to weep and rejoice and to break out in these joyful, sorrow, gratitude, anguish attitude that just seems crazy, I don't think we're doing it right. You're like, how do you have sorrow and anguish at the time? Same time, let the Spirit talk to you while you're reading the Word. Man, you look like one of them bipolar psycho ladies. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just being honest. Right? Mine's not here, so I can't get in trouble. Y'all ever seen, like, women when they go in like, like that right there? Right? Yours ain't here either, so you can amen me. Two of us are good to go. Do I know what I'm talking about? You know, one minute it's here, and the next minute it's here, and then it's right back here, and you're like, what in the world just happened? All the ladies are going to hate me for the other day, right? But y'all know it's true. Mine's so honest, she knows it's true, she tells me it's coming. She said, baby, I don't even know why it's coming, but it's coming this way. At least you're honest, baby. I love you for it. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know what to do with it. Doesn't ride it out. I'm serious. That's the way sometimes, the only time I can relate with her on it is when I'm reading scripture. There'll be a moment where I'm like, oh. And then like right after that, you're like, oh yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just crazy. Like you got it all up in there, man. It's like a, I don't know, some kind of special candy that they made that just gets all your emotions going. It's good stuff, right? By the way, if reading the Bible is not life-changing for you, you're doing it wrong. Put it that way. There's your easiest note of the day. If you're reading the Bible and it ain't life-changing, you're doing it wrong. If you're reading the Bible and it don't change your church, we're doing it wrong, right? If we want to be an ineffective comfort blanket church, then let's just do some sound bites of real cool-sounding sermon clips, read certain things, same verses over and over, or we cannot. Or we can say, you know, I want to be a radical church that actually uses God's word, hears God's word, applies God's word, and changes things up. I want to be like Josiah and the reformers that are going on, right? I want all the people, all the words, and all my heart and soul involved in this thing. Right? Renewed fellowship with God. How? A couple of things they did. First thing, they renewed their promise that we just talked about in verse 3. They took a stand. Right? They literally had to come to terms. When he ripped his clothes, he said, we've been going in the wrong direction. We need to turn around. We need to get, we need to get back on the right track. We need to follow and serve the right way. Now, I don't know about you guys, but through Kings and, and even through some of the Samuel stuff, like, like Lord really spoke to me. And there were some, some moments me and him had to have, you know, tugging at the heart or whatever you want to call it, right? So in this series, are, are you having your eyes open that maybe you've been the prodigal son? Prodigal daughter? Like maybe you've been kind of picking and choosing. Maybe you're, you're, you've been halfway committed. You know what I'm saying? Like I understand during summertime, like people go on trips and vacation, all that stuff. But if you're missing more gathering with the body than you, than you're part of, I'm just being honest. There's probably a sign that something needs to change. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not just saying it's got to be on a Sunday morning, man. You can study the word with a group of people at your house if you got to. But you better be getting together with a group of people and studying the word. Right? We don't like it because y'all should amen to y'all are here. People online might not like it, but that's all right. They'll get over it. Huh? They ain't here today anyway. Right? What about you? New beginning, new covenant. And, and please understand this. When I say they're getting a new beginning and a new covenant, I'm not talking about getting resaved. I'm sick of that word too. Oh, I got saved once and then I got resaved again. Well, then what did you get saved from the first time? You know what I'm saying? Like I got asked. Like what was it? Like did God do a partial salvation on you? You are clean over this half. What was it? I don't get it. I'm just asking. I don't know. I'm not saying that's the way it was. I'm just asking you like what, what, how? I want, I want to understand what you're thinking. Right? Like did, did you walk into the river and like just the waist down got it? And they forgot to put you all the way under? Like the sprinkle, they, they, they didn't get all the water on you, so only certain drops got like, like what is half saved? Why'd you have to get resaved? Right? Here, here, here's what they're not saying. Best way I can write it down, right? They're, they're not saying, we haven't been your people, but we want to be now. They're saying, we've been your people. We just ain't been living up to our end of the bargain. And now it's time that we're going to start acting like the people of God. 
Right? We want to come home is basically what they say. Right? So when I say a rededication, I'm not talking about getting resaved and we need to have 500 more baptisms. And if that's what the Lord leads you to do, that's fine. That's your public profession kind of thing. That's on you. Right? But I'm not saying that's what you got to do to get back into the kingdom. I'm telling you to get back in with the kingdom. You got to be telling the Lord, I ain't been living to my end of the deal. Like I'm checking scripture out now for the first time, maybe in a long time. And I'm understanding like I've been missing a lot of stuff. And I know I'm not going to get it all right. But I want to make a commitment to start getting as much of it as I possibly can. Correct. Right. Word for word. That's that's rededicated. Right. Verse four. Wow. We're only at verse four. It's okay. There's a lot of stuff in the middle. We're going to cram together. Right. Verse four. It said to bring out the temple of the Lord, all the articles that were made for Baal and Asher and the rest of the hosts of heaven. Right. This is how deep idolatry has gotten in Judah. So this is really something we've already seen. We've been checking it out, right? He's cleansing reforms at the center, and he's working outward, though. Remember I told you his his order is so important. He got the elders together, then he got all the people together. Here, he's starting in the church. You know the reason some of us get in trouble when we get on fire for the Lord? Because we start out there. Y'all running around against everybody who don't like you. Of course it's hard to keep on fire. Right? Where does he start? He, he, He moves on down to the temple. And he comes into the temple and says, that's got to go, that's got to go, that's got to go, that's got to go, right? Why? Because you start in the house of the Lord. Because if we can't get it right here, how are we ever going to get it right out there? Am I right? So he starts fixing problems inside. Verse 5, not only does he get rid of stuff, he gets rid of people. Now, I come in, (laughs) picture this. I come in, I rip some stuff off these windows. And I ripped some stuff that was on some walls gone. Right? I don't want nothing up in here but the Lord. Right? We ain't worshiping nothing but the Lord. Ain't no pews dedicated to nobody. You didn't buy no seat. Ain't no square carpet yours. Ain't no window yours. None of that. And don't tell me, well, I bought it from somebody that died. Why, dead ain't they dead? I really hate to bust your bubble and I hate to be mean, but they gone. They don't need a window no more. You know what I'm saying? Like the wind ain't doing nothing for them. Right? I know that sounds heartless. I'm just being honest with you though, okay? They gone. This is the Lord's house. This is His room. Right? So nothing comes up in here but His. Right? So, so as He's doing this, then He, they, oh, don't clap yet, cause it gets way worse. You know what I'm saying? Like, I did this stuff. Could you imagine if like, after cleaning the windows, I remember my mama telling me, by the way, I was in here with a little soldering thing, cleaning up all these window tags. I was taking them off. And she said, you know, people ain't gonna like that, so I'm gonna save them. I did. I promise you, I saved every single one of them. I got them in the cabinet upstairs right now. Well, some of them. Some people got mad and they heard about it. And they said, hey, that little tag I paid for. Oh, that's good. Come on by the church. I'll give it to you. <laughs> and I did, too. I promise you, I hand out there to certain people, right? But could you imagine? You were talking, you were talking about some old bad people getting their little panties in the wad. Great. Right? But could you imagine? I finished doing that. And then I'm like, hey, get out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's one thing when we were moving stuff. It's another thing when scripture says there was so much sin, he had to go in there and remove people. And notice he ain't removing. Maybe I shouldn't have went to you, brother. I'm sorry. You, you're not in that position yet, right? He said he went in and started removing people of authority. Get out. You know what I'm saying? Sit down for probably say, right? But that's what it says. You got to think about it though, right? Like it says he went in and got rid of the stuff. And if that wasn't visual enough for him, if they would, I wonder how many people left 
while he was getting rid of the stuff. You ever thought about it that way? Some of the people that had the little names on the window, they're not here no more. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying they're not holy. I'm just saying they're not here holy. Right? You take it for what you want. But, but what I am saying is, if some of them stuck around, they was like, oh, that part's done. Thank goodness. And they probably sat back in their little priest thing in their little special seat. And then come King Josiah walking right on up to him. Hey, you, time for you to go. Right? Because you can't just get rid of sinful stuff. you got to get rid of sinful people in your life. That's what he does. Verse 5. Look at it. We didn't even read it yet. I'm just going on. Y'all letting me. Right? Y'all like, we at verse 5. You better read fast. Right? Then he did away with the idolatrous priest. The kings of Judah had appointed. These were people people put in the position. Do you understand that? These were people that, I mean, yeah, these were people that the people had put there. You ever put somebody in a position of authority? Don't use no real life examples for the presidency right now, okay? But but you, you ever put some people in authority? Seriously. And you sat back and you're like, hmm, that was a mistake. <laughs> right? Like, hmm. Failed that one. Well, you can comment, just don't list no names, right? You ever put somebody in, in authority over your own life? And had to sit back and be like, hmm. Right? Man, can you imagine only because she shared it, but could you imagine like when she moved into a house with family, she put them in authority. Whether you knew it or not, when you move into somebody's house, they are authority over you. Right. That's the way it works. Right. So you moved into a house, you put them over authority and then you're like, that was dumb. Because they were dumb, by the way. Right. I throw it like that. I don't care. Tell them to watch online. Right. We use other words later if we got to. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then did it again. What about relationships? You put somebody in authority over you and they're like, mm. well, if you've already made that covenant agreement, now you've got a lot of work to do. Right? But if you ain't made that covenant agreement, you need to get out of there while you can. You know what I'm saying? Like, run now. Right? Because if it starts that way, you got a long road ahead of you. Right? Think about it. They, 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 these are people that the people that put over authority. And Josiah gets there and he goes, man, you guys are responsible for the sin they've been doing. Now, they ain't been making them, right? But leadership is responsible for the sinful practices that are happening under people. So much so, I think I shared this a couple weeks ago, so much so we were talking with, with like military structure, you know, with, with the Nazis and World War II and stuff, and, and, and men doing what they were commanded to do, right, because of hate and everything else, but they were commanded to do it. Now the whole structure's changed. There's literally a call. Ask anybody who joins the military even in America now. Like there's a clause. Like you follow your commander unless your moral compass says that's wrong. Now they probably got it written with fancier words than I can say, but that's the way I throw it, right? Right. So you got a moral compass to tell you, oh, that, that ain't right. I probably shouldn't do that. Right? So I'm not making an excuse for the people, but the leadership is what led them down this road, right? And, and here's the real hard truth. Do any reformation... Not, not dealing with, with the, the, the sin, dealing with sinful people sometimes the hardest, right? Because if you don't get rid of the sinful people in your life, it's so much easier for sin to come along back. It's so much harder for righteousness to be removed. Now, if they get right, man, y'all have a party all together. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hear stories like yours, I ain't gonna lie. Like, I pray one day that's the best relationship you ever had with them people. Like, I pray it blows socks off people. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, they sit there and they ask questions like, what in the world? 
Like only because they've shared it before and since they left church early, I guess. So I'm going to really call them out. Right. You know how that rolls. Right. So, so, so I've said it before. We're like Guy and Beth. Have you ever met them? Like Beth's best friend is Guy's ex-wife. That's a redneck story. You know what I'm saying? Like they're writing country songs about that kind of thing, man. That don't even make sense. It don't. That don't make no sense at all. She's sharing me that and I'm like, I don't know if I want y'all joining the church no more. Like what is that? Right? That, that's, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit takes over though. Like relationships can be reconciled. And in a good way. Say, well, my so and so, they, they the jerk raising my kids. You can reconcile it. Like I'm not saying it's gotta go all back to how it was. I'm just saying like there can be reconciliation. And that's a powerful thing, right? But again, if there ain't no reconciliation, sinful people gotta go. Ain't no sugarcoating what it says, right? Seriously, we can fly through some stuff, right? Look at the extent uh, Josiah does in Judah. Just look back over 4 through 14. It's kind of what we had seen in the previous chapter anyway. That was the widespread, elaborate, heavy invested, sinful condition this country was in. Now, what I got to point out in this section, the main thing is this right here, right? Two things, sorry. First thing is this. Previous kings evidently spent a lot of time and money honoring these pagan gods. People get their feelings hurt when you mess with their dollar. Am I right? Like, it's one thing if you, like, just come in and clean some carpet and do something. You start tearing up what costs somebody some money? Oh, you done messed up. You know, and that's what Josiah is doing, though. He's coming in. He's tearing up stuff they invested millions of dollars into. And he's tearing it up, by the way. I don't know if you if you remember reading or listening, at least when, when Mitch, uh, um, Brian was reading. Like, he, he's incinerating half of this stuff. He's burning it to ashes. He's getting rid of it. There ain't no coming back. Right? Can you imagine? Oh, that was last year's million dollar budget fund. He just burned it up in 30 seconds. Right? This dude mean business though. Right? It hits hard when you're dealing with the dollar. Now that's talking about somebody else. How about your own? Maybe God called you to do something with something you invested in that wasn't right. Maybe he's calling you to invest in something that is right. I don't know. But what I'm saying is sometimes we let the dollar stop us from going to the next level. Sometimes we let the dollar this way say, let's keep the same word. Sometimes we let the dollar stop us from getting radical. Am I right? Why? Why? I, I, I told my wife she was wondering about something with the shop and all this stuff and the expansion and all this stuff, you know, wanting to hire new people and all that kind of stuff. Going. She's like, what if it don't work? I said, I figured out we make another dollar. I like to eat. I ain't going hungry. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll open something in a trailer and start putting on wheels on a power wheel vehicle. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, I won't be hungry. I promise you. I like to eat. Right? I like to drive a cool truck, too, and I'm going to need money to do that. So, right? Like, it ain't, we, we're not going to go hungry, I promise. But but we act like that. that like, we got to hold on. You think you get an award for having a bigger bank account than somebody else? Huh? Churches do it. I ain't just talking about people. Oh, we got that million dollar, million dollar thing sitting in the bank. Do you? That's good. How many lives could you feed with it? How many, how many mortgages could you pay? How many light bills could you help a lady out with? How many cars could you get fixed? How many, how much medicine could you buy for somebody? How many daughter's appointments could you pay for? Huh? What could you do to get somebody back on the right foot? No, you just hold your million dollars. That's good though. I'm sure it's doing something great. You know, I thought it was so cool, and I'm not, I'm not picking him. He, he's somebody who's not of our way. So I'm really not, I promise you. Because he's not somebody of our way. So go back to what scripture says. They're not of our way. We don't, we don't expect the same thing. It blew my mind to see how much was invested in, um, 
Bezos driving on up to space for 11 seconds or 11 minutes, whatever it was. Blew my mind. I'm scratching my head. I'm like, how many, how many homeless people could have been fed? How many houses could have been built? How many cars could have been bought? You know what I'm saying? But that's me. That's my mindset from, from the Lord's mindset. His mindset ain't that way. But it just makes you think sometime, man. Look, look at what else it says. Verse 13. Talking about all this defiling. I told you I'd get through this section quick. Look at verse 13 where it repeats this word again. Well, actually, this word's repeated through the whole section. But in 13, it says it this way. The king also defiled the high places. What was he doing? I need to make sure you get this because this is good. What was he doing to defile the high places? Cut down some places. What else was he doing? No, he took it to another level at the end. You remember he, he burned something? He burned the bones. And what did he do with the burned up bones? He just dumped them on them. Y'all know what he's doing? I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the most current day explanation I can give you, and I don't want you to take it the wrong way, okay? So hear me, hear me on that. Don't be getting all patriotism and thinking America's gonna roll, roll out in World War Five right now, okay? But, all kidding aside, what he's doing is, is he's defiling a place where they can't come back to it. By, by, by ashes of dead stuff, dead people being on something, they can't ever come back and touch it. All, all kidding aside, not being funny at all, what it reminds me of is if you was to take like pork and rub it on something that you didn't want a Muslim. To ever come out. I mean, it's serious. That's exactly what he's doing. They, they, they stay away from it. I promise you. They dedicate it. Right? We could use some of their dedication. We can't use their practices, but we can use some of their dedication. Right? But but that's what he's doing in essence. And he's saying, y'all ain't, he's making it impossible for them to go back to the old stuff. So now you've got to ask yourself then, how easy is it for you to go back to your past gods? Whatever it was, sex, drugs, money, pleasure, food, I don't care. Right? How easy is it? How easy have you made it to go back to that past stuff? You ever seen people that they start out a couple steps in the right direction, looks good, and then so easily they they fall back. And so easily they they stumble back into it again. And then so easily it's almost like it's almost like when somebody had a wrong partner, either way, boy, girl, whatever, right? And and, and they finally break it off, and you're like, yes. They're going to be so much better. I'm serious. You, you happy for them in a good way because you know what it's going to be able to do for them, right? But then they pick the same style person again. And I like hit my head. I'm like, did you not learn? So I'm thinking like two times, like you finally learned. So they break it again. And you're like, yes, yes. And then they pick the same type person again. And again. And again. And you've got to wonder, what in the world? I tell you what in the world. They never left the cycle of who they hung around. If you make it easy to get back in to your old lifestyle, that old lifestyle is going to creep up and get you every time. I promise you. Right? And that's what happens over and over and over again. How easy do we make it for the stuff of the old to come on back in our lives? 15 through 20. Now you can get patriotic on him, right? 15 through 20, look at it. He ain't even in his own country in this section of the word. word. I don't know if y'all caught that, right? Bethel and Samaria, where are they at? They in the northern kingdom. Remember what happened in the northern kingdom? Yes, you do. Assyria took them over. That's right. I knew you knew it, right? And as Assyria took them over, right, they took over everything. What's Josiah done? He, he, the order, the order, he got himself, he got the elders, he got all the people, he went to the temple. He went outside. And now where's he going? 
I'm going to Canada. You know, that's, that's what's happening. If he was in America, that's what's going on. Like he got himself right. He got the church right. He got South Carolina right. He got America right. Now I'm going to Canada. Could you imagine if we just rolled up in the like we had authority and started cleaning up? They'd be, what, what you doing, eh? Huh? <laughs> but you better keep the order right. And here's what I mean. Seriously, he's the example. Sometimes we get on fire at that beginning. We want to run to an area we're not supposed to run to yet. He had an order. He had an order. If you run off to an area you ain't meant to handle yet, you gonna get your little butt beat. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you ever watch? <laughs> you ever watch some people? Unfortunately, sometimes it's like the dorky looking Christian that gets in the most trouble. You know what I'm saying? I'm just being all. That's just what I call them, right? But you ever watch like they'd be out there and they'd be trying to witness to like the Stone Cold Brothers, right? I, I, I've seen it before, man. It cracks me up because I'll watch it for a little while. You know what I'm saying? Like I got an old life, so I can hang with them. I don't care. Right. But I'll watch it for a little while. And he out there, you need to understand like Jesus loves you. And it doesn't matter what you do to me. Jesus is going to love you. He's going to punch you in the nose, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like you squared up about to get taken out. <laughs> like you, you going to get run over. Like you, they don't even know where your body is in the morning. Right. Like you can't go to areas you ain't called to go to if you're not ready to go there. Right. God going to save somebody from that area and send him over there to get them. Right. Because I'm telling you. Some of y'all like, I didn't know I could. You can't do that. Right? You can walk in there with all the Holy Spirit power you want. You ain't bulletproof. I'm being honest. Like, God got a plan for them people. Don't get me wrong. But it ain't you if you ain't the one. I'm being, I'm being dead. <laughs> I get amazed sometimes because people be thinking like, I don't understand why I can't go with. Baby, you can't go witness to him because you five foot three and 110 pounds. They go sweep the floor with you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you gone. <laughs> Let's get somebody who's who been in that lifestyle and got saved. Let's take them with us. Right? <laughs> then I can walk in and I have a little respect while I'm in there. <laughs> right? We got to get there. That's what he does. I love it, though. I love it. That's all I want to share with you in 15 through 20. He just starts going everywhere. Right? Borders don't stop him. Why? Because borders don't stop the Holy Spirit. They don't stop it. Verse 21. Look how fast we got there. Y'all were scared to death, right? We're still a little late, but it's all right. Right. We, we, we remember they remember God's provision. Look at 21. So the king gave his order to the people. Celebrate the Passover to Yahweh, your God. It is written in the book of the covenant. He's like, I read this part of the book. And it tells me we're supposed to have Passover. Right. Right. Josiah could not. And here's what you need to say. Here's what I love. And head is my greatest example for this, even though he's with the kids this morning. Right. Josiah could not command heart obedience. But he could command a national holiday. So he commanded what he could. Right. What I mean by that, and head being my hero, is this. Growing up, he had a lot of people come live at that house. Teenagers. But he had a rule. Even if they didn't live there, they stayed the weekend or stayed a week or whatever. What was the rule, dude? You stay on a Saturday. You sleep at this house on a Saturday? You go to church on Sunday morning. There ain't no exceptions. You know what I'm saying? He couldn't change their heart. He couldn't make them wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to church yet. Right? But he could make sure they went. And I can think of many of them guys that's got good seeds planted, if not, if not growing a little bit, because of that rule. Because he at least got him in there to hear and get a little seed planted, little seed watered, little sunlight on it. And something happened. Right? So he commanded what he could and did not enforce what he couldn't. You need to understand that as a believer now. There's certain things you can't enforce on other people. 
And you shouldn't. That's not real when it's enforced anyway, right? So you do what you can. And that's what he did. But he remembered God's, God's providence. He, he took this. This is the first time it said the Passover celebrated this way. Look at what it says. And by the way, this is why I made you hold this the whole service. Seriously, seriously. I, I've told you guys before, and I, I'll do a little, little confessing while you're holding it. My, my fear sometimes with certain denominations, religions, whatever, is, is, is they do it too often. And it becomes little value. And because of that, I've allowed sometimes us to not do it often enough. Scripture just says do this regularly. I don't know what your regularly is. Right. I'm not saying you can't do it at the house by yourself, by the way, too. So but that's a whole nother sermon in itself. Um, right. If you need me to lead you through this, then we need a whole nother Bible study. We got to go. But it does say when you get together as a group. Regularly. To do this, you know why? Because here's what they're doing. Look, look at what it says. Right. They're remembering what they're remembering Passover. When they do Passover, what is Passover? Well, that, that's God's help. That, that's the death angel that was coming on in and going to take the life of people, except for the Lord had made a way for blood to be shed, for blood to be covered, so that those could be protected. The Lord made a way for blood to be shed, for you to be protected. Right? But you see, you see the correlation, right? Going to this. They're recalling God's saving deeds over his people, they're remembering it. You better remember as you sit back and look at some beautiful things in nature that when you sit back and look at where God pulled you out of something. Oh, man. Like you can't. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't help but have one of them weird emotional woman roller coasters going on. I'm being serious. That's what happens. Right. So so, so it goes on. So 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 in, in case you're with me, when I first read this thing, you know, I, I wrote down. That's not new. That's literally what I wrote down in my notes. First time I read this chapter. Hezekiah just did that. A couple chapters ago. Right. Hezekiah did what? Hezekiah did what he could without the word. He didn't have the word, right? We agree. The word was where? Lost in the temple somewhere. Under the couch. Right? Y'all go home, you've been missing your Bible. It's under the couch, I'll tell you right now. Right? Think about it though. It had been missing. But Hezekiah did what he could. And Hezekiah what? Was regarded as ain't that many good ones, y'all. He was good. He was great. Nobody trusted the Lord like him ever before. Remember? But he, he didn't do evidently. This chapter tells us what? He didn't do it exactly right, doesn't it? Isn't that what it means? Check it out, guys. That's important for some of you to understand, for real. He didn't do it exactly right. He didn't. But what? God looked at him and said, man, that's the most trustful dude I got in the kingdom right there, ever. No one before, no one after, never trusted like that. Josiah finds the word. Now, when you find the word, understand me since you're sitting up in here, right? When you find the word, your expectations have been elevated. Now he knows more. So what? If you know more, more is expected. Make sense? Right? So sometimes you do better just to clog your ears and not hear what I'm saying. No, I'm just kidding. You can't do that. That ain't to get out of right. But think about more is expected. So now Josiah says what? Verse 21. Then the king commanded all the people to celebrate this Passover as it is written. Now, what he's saying for a lack of so many words, at least the writer of Kings, is he's saying, we're not going to just do it. We're going to do it right. Right? We're going to do every part of it right. 22. Surely such a Passover had not been celebrated from the days of judges. Oh, snap. Who else that mean been doing the Passover wrong? Who else? King David. So you got three dudes that's considered the most. You, well, for David, we're going to call him a heart like nobody, a heart, a heart for God like nobody else. Right. He had a passable. Right. All right. He did it wrong. He did what he could, but he had some mistakes in there, too, evidently. Right. 
Hezekiah trusted like nobody else. But he still has some mistakes. Josiah, he's the most devoted. So really, you need devotion before you need some of this other stuff, maybe. Why? Because the most devoted guy does what? As it is the right way. Right? Said they had never done nothing like it since the days of Judah. That's a long time, right? That's cool. Number three, they did. Verse 24, they reformed their practices. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of the mediums and the spirits and the household gods and the idols and all the other detestable things that had been seen in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what he did. It says this is what he did to fulfill what was written. This was a prophet that was written about him 300 years ago in the book of First Kings, by the way. In the book of First Kings, it said there's going to be a child. He was eight. So I think he, he meets one. His name going to be Josiah. Oh, snap. Right. And, and here's what he going to do. He's going to eliminate some stuff to the point where he's going to make it defiled where they can't even come back to it anymore. Wow. 300 years before it was commanded. It happens here. Right. Simply going back, seeking to base and practicing all that God has revealed in his word. Last thing that happens. To get recommitted, to get radical, uh, rekindle your passion. Look at verse 25. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to Yahweh as he did. I love that he had to turn to Yahweh. You ain't, you ain't got to come in perfect. You just got to turn back right. With all his heart, all his heart, with all his soul, all his soul, with all his strength, with all his strength in the court of the law of Moses. You know what that verse is saying to me? He got passionate about it. When you get all your heart, all your strength, and, and, and all that stuff just working together, man, you like passion. Right? You're crazy about what's going on. Huh? We, since he's not here, I pick on him. Right? My, my other boy, he, he's very passionate about whatever he does. Right? So, so we was laughing. They had this little uh, uh, Friday night lights under the sun or whatever it was, Friday night with the, with the varsity squad, and he wins this kicking contest. I mean, ball way. I, I think like Lord had carried the wind or something, right? Because he never kicked that good. So, so it went way out. He turned around. We couldn't tell him. We were across the field. Who it was? He turned around. Like he flexing on it. He going strong. I know he's watching right now, so he's probably doing that in the room, right? But he doing all that. Me and Crystal looked at each other. That's my boy. Like you know it's him. That one there, he ain't doing it. That other one, he gonna flex on him. He ain't got no muscles, but he gonna flex him as much as he can, right? That's what you get for being sick and sitting on the couch, son. Right? It's cool when you know they watching, right? So, so anyway, he's doing all that. He's going great. So me and Crystal look at each other. We remember this old memory. When he played basketball for a, for, for a team called the Dogs. He had his sweatbands on. He was coming out. It was years ago, that little fella, right? <laughs> and he's barking at the other team. <laughs> Except for he like five. So it ain't like a whoo. It's like whoo, 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 You know what I'm saying? Like he's passionate. But it reminds me, I'm telling you, I love your passion, man. Because it's that that's going to take you to the next level. It's no different than his mama. I remember when Pastor Tim and you know, I fell in love before she was a believer. And I, I've confessed that to you guys before. And I told him, I said, man, I don't know what to do. He said, you just keep working because when she gets it, she's going to really get it. I married a nerd, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love scripture. That woman right there, you think she, you think she goes to school like to get an education? She goes to school because she likes learning. That's why she's 37, still in school. Right? Like, not that she didn't get degrees either for some of y'all that don't know her. She got all the degrees. They hanging on the walls at the house. We got them. We just don't use none of them. You know what I'm saying? I got I got bachelor's and I got master's and I got this certificate. I don't got none of that. 
I got a bachelor's, right? But but is she going over now? She got this and so she got this and, and she got that. Now she completed this program and and, uh, and now she in law school. And she tells me, I love this learning. That's good, baby. <laughs> I forgot she <you> was watching. <laughs> but she's passionate about it. Have you gotten passion? Have you gotten some zeal about what God wants to do in your life? Now, here's my warning, because I want us to get that passion. I, I won't flip to it. You can read it this week. When you when you turn to Chronicles uh, 35, when you turn to Chronicles 35, you're going to find Josiah's end. We got, a, you know, Brian just read he died. Right. But in Chronicles, it says, it says that he had, he had get ready to go to war. And the fellow tells him, don't be coming at me. God, t- God says no. But what does he do? Obviously, by what Brian said, what did he do? He kept going. So sometime, here's just a warning. This is all it is. He, he ended well. He was great. God had mercy. He took his life before the, the fall, which we talked about last week and, and all that kind of stuff. That was all part of the plan, right? But, but here's the warning. Don't let your zeal lead you. Let the Lord lead you. Cause you can get zealous about the wrong thing. You know what I'm saying? And, and you can get in a lot of trouble that way, right? You, you, you don't let your zeal lead you. Let the Lord lead you. Paul gives that warning in Quran, uh, Corinthians, sorry, chapter three. And he tells him, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master built, laid a foundation and he's building another. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is in Christ. So if you're not building on the right thing, you're in trouble. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones and wood and hay and straw in each man's work, it'll become evident for the day will show it because it is. It would be revealed with the fire and the fire itself would trust the quality of each man's work. If any man's work, which he has built remains, he will receive a reward. That means it was built on the right thing. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved and his work will be lost. So what it's saying is it doesn't change his relationship with the kingdom, but it does change in all the things he was building and making for the kingdom. That zeal got Josiah in just a little bit of trouble at the end, right? Not a bad downfall, but I just want to make sure we noted. We noted. He was, he was, he was zealous for the right thing, by the way. He was going to beat up this king because this king was doing what he should be doing. But if it ain't in the Lord's will, you can do the right thing for the wrong reason. Right? Or you can do the wrong thing for the right reason, however you want to word that. Now, despite all, despite all the king had told him, I mean, all the Lord had told him, what did he tell him? This is going to be destroyed. This is going to be the end. Jerusalem, you know, he, he told him. He, he didn't sugarcoat it. He let him know for sure what was happening. Josiah still did the work in the effort. He didn't use it as an excuse. Well, the Lord said this is how it's going to be. There ain't no need for me to do that. He still did it. So what is it in your life that life's been telling you is just the way it's going to be that you're not working toward? For us, right? On the flip side, a couple guys we looked at, we talked about like them, them doing some things. So, so here's the thing. If you don't have one of these, you're more welcome to have one. But I... We have more information, as we just said a minute ago, right? So in Corinthians, Paul writes to church and he tells them, don't you guys take this in an unworthy manner? It's the reason we're holding it this whole time, so that you've been thinking about it. It's the reason we're going to take a few minutes now. The ladies sing, a, or my Carla sings a song, and the rest of you want to sing as, as well. You take a few minutes to make sure, as you remember, because you might be like Josiah, you might be remembering, and you might, you might have to rip some clothes. You might have to shed some tears. Because Paul gives a real clear warning. He says, if you guys take this in an unworthy manner, you're going to get sick. Now, I don't know which sickness you want to believe it was going to be. 
but I ain't going to take no chance. Right? So doing it the right way, take some moments before we, before we do this thing. And just think about what God's done in your life. Think about, in a minute, you're, you're, you're going to rip off this top piece. I remember the first time we ever, ever used one of these things. I thought it was crazy, right? But then I thought about, man, if you hold this the whole time and you're thinking about it the whole time, how much more impact that can have on your heart? I remember the first time I ripped that top layer off. Literally, in my brain, all I could think of was the cat and nine tails ripping Christ back to get to the flesh that gave his life for me. Right? So as you hold this, I want you to think about that. Not that you got to be perfect, but that he loved you despite you weren't perfect. That, that he come in and wanted to make you radical despite the nation you were living in. That he wanted to get you thinking about, man, something's got to change and something's got to be different. It can't go on like this any longer. And that's what Josiah had. And that's what I pray that we have as we think this morning. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your time this morning, God. Abba Father, I'm I'm grateful for this morning, what you've already done. But now, God, I, I pray, Lord God, and I call you out on your word. Your promise to me, Lord God, said that your word won't return void. And I know this morning, beyond a shadow of any doubt, we preach your word. So God, I'm calling you on your promise that it don't return void. That something said today in here changed the life of those online and those sitting in here. God, I pray for those sitting in here this morning, Lord, that it's an immediate thing. God, it might sound weird to some, but I pray, Lord God, if somebody's at home watching, they go get them some juice and a cracker, Lord God. Because it's not about what it is, it's about what it represents. So I pray, Lord God, that we can do this thing together with those online and those in person. God, that we can stretch out for those even watching later this week and later this month and later next year, Lord God. But Lord, I pray as your word comes in, it does that cleaning it's supposed to do. It reminds us of what you did, Lord God, and it reminds us of what we have done. And God, I pray that we release all that over. Lord, like the, the prodigal child, Lord God, that we come running back to you. We acknowledge, Lord God, that you are holy, holy, holy. We acknowledge that we've been doing it wrong. And we make a covenant agreement, Lord God, with you to do it your way. And not just any way. In your name we pray. Amen.